80% of people one year into the business are out. They're doing something else. But this is part of the reason why, because they don't have an accurate assessment of reality. They're not clear on what this actually is, right? So number one is it's a sales business, right? Number two is that the money's not in the service. It's in the selling of the service. So the question is this, how do most agents find the secrets to succeed in today's competitive real estate market, especially when the top agents are keeping those secrets to themselves? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. Hi, I'm Aaron Amuchastegui, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Real Estate Rockstars, this is Aaron Amuchastegui with a quick commercial break with one of our newest sponsors. I'm super excited to be partnering with these guys. Does 15 to 20% ROI investing in turnkey rentals sound attractive? Did you know you can use the Burr strategy with new construction that has immediate equity already? You guys have heard me talk about stuff like this. Rent to Retirement offers fully turnkey properties that are newly built or renovated, leased and managed, allowing you to invest with confidence out of state. They have single family, multifamily, new build and syndication opportunities across multiple markets that maximize cash flow, appreciation and equity. Rent to Retirement assists investors in learning how to build a comprehensive business plan with the best investment and tax strategies to achieve financial freedom through real estate investing. There's no excuse not to get started in real estate investing when you have the right team and systems in place. To learn more, visit renttoretirement.com. That's renttoretirement.com or call 1-800-311-6781. That's 800-311-6781 to learn about how you can get started investing in some of the best cash flow markets today. You know, and if you guys want to learn more about Zach, episode 1025, we dig in for a good 45 minute interview where he tells you the secrets to investing in real estate out of state. And him and I shared a lot of ideas about what works and what doesn't. You'll get to hear a lot about his company and his business. You know, if you're an agent from out of state and you've got referrals looking for stuff, they work with other agents on a referral basis. And we've talked so much since COVID hit that everybody needs to have a backup plan, right? Every one of you agents needs to have a backup plan. You should all be investing in real estate. And if you're having trouble finding the time and the team to do it, maybe something like rent to retirement is the solution for you. So thank you for listening. Go check them out. Now back to the rest of our podcast. Hey, real estate rock stars. This is Kelly Skevel, guest hosting for Aaron again. And today I have the pleasure of interviewing Aaron Novello. Welcome, Aaron. Yeah, I appreciate appreciate the opportunity, Kelly, and uh, really excited to uh, spend some time together and hopefully share some information that could be helpful and useful uh, to all the listeners. Yeah, I'm super excited. So uh, you're out of Fort Lauderdale, right? Yep. Yeah, Southeast Florida. Um, you know, I, I, I say Fort Lauderdale because it's a place that people can recognize mentally, right. uh, yep. but yeah, in, in, in that geographic area. Okay. Awesome. And have you lived in that area your entire life? Are you a transplant? How'd you end up there? Yeah. Good question. So yeah, I have, which is very rare in South Florida. I lived here for the majority uh, of my life, uh, only spent a year outside of Florida. So it's, uh, we're born and bred here. Oh, awesome. All right. Yeah. Uh, so tell me how you got started in, in real estate. Like what was your start? Kind of give us your background and history here. Yeah. So, 
You know, my family of origin um, were very kind, nice people doing the best they can under the given set of circumstances that they had. Um, they're very much so like financially illiterate, uh, you know, just hardworking and uh, selling time for money, but didn't understand kind of the leverage of capital or the leverage of labor or things of that nature. And I had some experiences as a younger person where um, I got to a place internally where I was like, you know what, like, I don't know what the way is, but I'm going to either find the way or make the way because I do not want this to be my experience or anybody that's in my close proximity for it to be their experience. So, you know, I got myself into that kind of state. And then, you know, I found, I stumbled upon and serendipity was in a class at the University of Florida where someone, there was a guest speaker, it was a business class and it was a, uh, uh, a realtor who came in. And um, that realtor happened to be particularly attractive. So she caught my attention. And I started to just think about this idea of, oh, like real estate could be a vehicle. And um, what, what, what had happened was as well is because I had this kind of really burning desire for financial freedom and independence and financial literacy yeah. that really my family of origin couldn't give me. I started prior to kind of bumping into that individual who exposed me to real estate, uh, reading obsessively books uh, about wealth, and they all had a tendency to gravitate towards real estate. Yep. So I figured, well, what better way to learn about the investment vehicle of real estate than to help people buy and sell it? So that's how I kind of stumbled into, or perhaps was pushed by an invisible hand into the real estate game. I love it. That uh, resonates so deeply with me because it's, I have a very similar story of that. So, you know, if you're not born into an entrepreneurial type of family, it's really, it, ta it takes you stepping outside of the box. Like you said, reading a lot of books. Um, I did the same thing and found that, yeah, everything about uh, wealth building vehicles for people that weren't wealthy and didn't come from wealthy families, real estate was the vehicle to get you there. I think we both can agree. <laughs> yeah. So um, it certainly is like one of the main vehicles to help you get there. And what's interesting is the majority of the listeners, it's probably their experience because 65% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. So if you put that into perspective, like if you're at Starbucks and there's 10 people online, almost seven of them, that's their experience. So um, what I'm aware of is, is that uh, through kind of um, education, through proximity, uh, to other individuals who can kind of help share their mental maps and the way that they think, yeah. uh, uh, then you can dramatically change your experience and therefore the experiences of others that are in your property. Right. Yeah. And the total change of trajectory of you and your family, ancestors. Yeah. it's I love it. So when you got started, did you start on a team? How long ago did you get started? Yeah. So I've been doing this since 2006. So like okay. 16 plus years. Yeah. And to answer your question, uh, initially um, I did work on a team kind of as like a buyer's agent and it was a very traditional type of company okay. uh, operating in a very traditional manner in Gainesville, which I mean, it's a great city, but it's a sleepy hollow kind of town. If okay. if um, the University of Florida wasn't there, it'd just be cows, right? Pastures and stuff. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, the mental maps go along with that, right? And there was one individual, he was one of like maybe three or four people in that market who did, you know, meaningful amounts of business. So I got proximity to him and very quickly in a short period of time, I was doing a number of transactions, you know, I had like eight or nine pending. And then it was like, all right, well, you know, what's true for me is I, I think that 
you know, I can do this on my own. And I got some encouragement to do that, which I did. And I still didn't really understand what the game was though, Mm. because I do believe you need an accurate assessment of reality in order to produce a good outcome. So you have to see the way it actually is, right? Not the way you would like it to be, or you think it is, but the way it actually is. Mm. And in order to get an accurate assessment, you have to get proximity to somebody who's producing outsized outcomes, because if they are, that means that they're seeing something very clearly that you're not. Right. So it was right at that time frame when I uh, decided like, hey, you know, I can do this on my own. I got proximity to like a mentor or a teacher who gave me a very, very clear, realistic picture as to where I should be focusing my attention. So it's really interesting, Kelly. Like if I was to ask people like, hey, um, what's your most valuable resource? And people give me very interesting answers. They'll say things like uh, time. I'm like, okay. They'll say all these different types of things. Money. Like, okay. Well, I would propose that it is time. It's just a little bit more nuanced than that. It's actually attention. So mm-hmm. we live in a time frame that where our attention is like exceptionally fragmented. You have all these people that are trying to pull at you for attention, all these different podcasts to listen to, all these different people that are telling you how to do it and how to, you know, what, like that sort of thing. So what I'm aware of is um, our time frame on planet Earth is limited. We have 27,550 days. It's about average, about 75 years in the industrialized world. Women have a tendency a little bit more than men, but that's what's average. Now I'm 41, so that I've used like approximately half. Mm-hmm. So whatever's left, I'm going to sleep through a third of it, right? Because if you sleep eight hours a day, it's a third of a 24-hour day. So that whole exercise is just to demonstrate that it's just not a lot. So you yeah. can have anything in life you want, but you can't have everything mm-hmm. because you're limited by time. Mm-hmm. So you have to be very intentional about where you're spending your attention, And even in our culture, like we'll say things like if my kids, if I really want them to listen to me, I'll say something like, hey, pay attention. So what's interesting is like we understand unconsciously that there's something being exchanged, Mm -hmm. that it's a currency of sorts, right? So in the world that we're in and whether it's real estate or anything else, it's like I got to be very clear on what I'm choosing to spend attention on. Okay. So at that time, I was spending attention on buyers and spending attention on running people around and I didn't understand like what I would call uh, the four noble truths of real estate. So the first noble truth is that, um, you know, that this is a sales business. It's no different than selling books door to door, knives door to door, subscriptions over the phone. Like because of HGTV and these reality TV shows, it's romanticized what this is, but you're a salesperson. <laughs> And what I'm aware of is like all these people come up with all these different names to try to push away the fact that they're in sales. They'll be like, I'm a realtor. I'm like, what the hell does that mean? I'm a real estate advisor. What does that mean? (laughs) I'm a real estate consultant. What does that mean? All of that is an attempt to try to run away from the fact that you're a salesperson who happens to sell real estate. Right, right. So like, I I didn't know that. Okay. But once I got that, it's like, oh, okay, well, all sales businesses have to follow a sales process. No matter what you're selling, you got to prospect every day. A day not spent prospecting is a day not spent in business. You have to know how to set appointments because the last I checked, Kelly, people aren't running out of the woodwork saying, hey, you know what? That's a cool shirt you have on. You're awesome. Come over to my house and listen to <laughs> for 6%. Yeah. Like that doesn't happen, right? The third thing you got to do is you got to pre-qualify those appointments to make sure that they have the means and the motivation to actually do something when you see them. Right. The fourth thing you got to do is you got to know how to present. Because everybody in their grandma has a real estate license. So you have right. to give them a compelling reason to choose you versus somebody else. The fifth thing you got to know how to do is handle objections 
right? Because when you're sitting there, they're going to be like, I want to list it higher. Where's your office? I haven't heard from your company before. Your commission's too high. I got a friend in a business. Like you have to know how to handle that. Right. And then you have to close. Right. Because closing is a skill. You have to ask for business. And then if it doesn't sell, you got to lower the price. Like that fundamental reality, I didn't understand at first. Okay. And I think a lot of people don't. And I think part of the reason why there's such a super high attrition rate in our game, which is 80%, nobody likes to talk about it. Everything's yay. Okay. 80% of people one year into the business are out. They're doing something else. But this is part of the reason why, because they don't have an accurate assessment of reality. They're not clear on what this actually is, right? So number one is it's a sales business, right? Number two is that the money's not in the service. It's in the selling of the service. So when I coach clients, you know what I mean? Like uh, I have the good fortune where we coach, you know, people all across the country, some of the top producers, you know, grossing over seven figures. Um, And, you know, when I ask people that are at lower levels of production, I'm like, what's your competitive advantage? And they'll say things to me like, well, I'm honest. (laughs) Okay. I was just talking, who did I interview? might've been Rudy. That was, but he was like, like, we're done saying we're honest. We're all honest. We know this, like- like we've upped the game. We're all honest. We got it. Yeah. Or they'll say things like, you know, I put my clients first. I'm like, that's like immature. Like that's kind of pathetic. Like you, your clients expect you to know what you're doing. Yes. Right. It's kind of like if you go to the grocery store and they have groceries, do you freak out? Or do you jump up and down? Oh my God, you have groceries today. Like, no, like that's the expectation that they're going to have the groceries yeah. when you show up. Exactly. Just like clients expect you to know what you're doing. They expect you to know how to negotiate. They expect you to know how to fill out contracts. Like they expect that. Yeah, yeah. But the, but the money's not there. The money's in the selling of the service. Yeah, okay. So it doesn't mean we give people crappy service. The service is expected. What it means is, is if you want to you know, um, be able to increase revenue, you have to learn how to sell the service. Hmm. So if that's what's true, what should you spend most of your time doing? learning how to sell. right? And I didn't get that at first. Okay. So once I got that, it was like, oh, now this is where I should be spending what? Attention. I need to learn how to prospect. I need to learn how to set appointments. I need to learn how to overcome objections. I need to learn how to price property and help people to self-discover that this is where they need to be price-wise. Right? These are all skills that needed to be learned. Yeah. And so once you started, once you, this, you came to this realization and you started really focusing on this stuff, tell me about like, what is your um, prospecting? Like, what does that look like? You, you're prospecting every day. What's that look like for you? Yeah. So for the first, uh, I don't know, five years of my career, all the way up to hundred transactions, it was prospecting six days a week uh, for three hours a day, two and a half to three hours a day, anywhere from 20 to 30 contacts per day, because contacts equals contracts. Okay. And I understood that, right? Um, the other thing that's a key component, Kelly, that I don't want people to miss is it's kind of like, you know, um, if we were going to chop down a tree and you just get to chopping right away and it takes you like eight hours to chop it down. And what I do is I spend three hours sharpening my ax and then I go to chop it down and it only takes me like 30 minutes once I've sharpened the ax, then I'm being more efficient with time. So at first, you know, I wasn't good. Just like anything else you're going to do at first, you're not going to be great at. And what I realized is like, oh, I got to role play and practice. So amateurs practice until they can get it right. Professionals practice until they can't get it wrong. Mm, So if you want to get paid like a professional, you need to practice like one. Like you're literally going in people's houses asking for 10, 15, 20, 30, 
40, $50,000 and you're showing up and winging it. Yeah. Like, like you're like, Oh my God, you have a dog. I have a dog. We should be besties. Like that is I so a really lame. good point. That's a really good point. When you put into context the, the amount of money you're asking for in commission, you know, from these, these sellers or even buyers, you know, but the sellers you're, you need to really show up and be professional. A hundred percent and be prepared. Yeah. Right. It's kind of like, imagine going to the doctor and like, you, you know, you like, God forbid you broke your arm or something and you go into the ER and you're like, look to the doctor and the doctor's like, oh my God, your cardigan. It's so cute. Like, <laughs> where did you get it? Like you would look at them and be like, are you kidding me? Is that really That's what's happening now? Right yeah. yeah. Like, like I need you to fix this. Right. And then we can chat, you know what yeah. I mean? So, and I think people get that confused. Right. So, um, the point being is that I also role play twice a day, six days a week. Okay. Still today, or you're saying in the beginning? In the beginning, really for the first answer. first five years of my career. So you were role playing. Okay. And this was- While prospecting in- simultaneously. Yeah. Okay. So three hours in the business and you're prospecting, you were calling your sphere, you were, call- you were cold calling. Who were you? Who were you yeah. Prospecting? So, yep. So at that time, um, what I'm aware of is that the marketplace, uh, so I started in 2006, everything's great, kind of like it is now. And people don't realize it's like the um, time of lack of skill because uh, over the last 24 months, you haven't had to be particularly skilled at anything in order to make money. You don't have to be skilled in negotiating. You don't have to be skilled in pricing. You don't have to be skilled in virtually anything, right? You just have to show up, dress moderately okay, don't say anything stupid. If you list the property, it's going to get multiple offers and then you're going to take the credit for it, which is always interesting to me um, (laughs) because you had nothing to do with it, right? So what I'm aware of is uh, that was the time frame I was in. And then 2007, eight happened. And when 2007, eight happened, like, you know, the financial markets collapsed, the real estate market really took a dive. But what happened was this expired listings exploded, mm. right? Because, right? because of a lack of skill on agents' part. They didn't know how to price property. They didn't know how to help people self discover. They didn't know how to negotiate. They didn't know how to, like, let people see what was happening because they didn't even know what was happening. Yeah. There's a so, lot of adjusting on the fly, I would imagine. I was not an agent at that point, um, but I would imagine there was a lot of needing to adjust and pivot in the moment in those when everything's like falling down around you. Yes. And here's what's interesting is for the listeners, if you're paying attention, when times get tough, only the skilled get paid. That is true. So like I hear a lot of people now, you know, I hop on clubhouse calls, they they DM me, they're like, what do you think is going to happen in the market with interest rates and la la la? What do you think is underneath that, Kelly? What's underneath that is fear. It's anxiety anxiety. because they don't know what to do. It's a constant topic of conversation. Is the market yeah. crashed? When is it crashing? What do we Yeah, and, and what's interesting is that it, underneath it is fear and anxiety yeah. because knowledge equals confidence and ignorance equals fear. So if you don't know what to do, you're scared. And what's interesting for me is that I know experientially because I worked on those skills, I grew my business in that environment 25% year over year, went all the way up to 100 transactions while everything else was collapsing around me. So I'm actually like, pumped. Like I'm super excited that things are changing because I am equipped. I know exactly what to do. And this is an opportunity to grow market share. Yeah. Uh, I think you make it really, that's super valuable information. Like you are, you, you've lived through it already. You, you've learned, you learned how to pivot. You figured out how to grow your business. You knew you had to change. You understand that when things start to change, you have to pivot quickly. Um, So you started, so you were really going after expireds. At this mm-hmm. point, when you're now you're fo- you're you're focused, 
you you have a clarity about what what you do as an agent, what your you know what your goals are, and so now you're prospecting three hours a day, and you're really hitting the expireds hard. Yeah, that's what we was doing, and focused on listings because the third noble truth is that all the leverage is on the listing side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the truth is, is you can't be world class at both. A lot of people try to be world class at both, but you can't. So what I'm aware of is whoever controls the inventory controls the market. Anybody who's worked with buyers over the last 24 months can appreciate what I'm sharing with you. (laughs) And what I'm aware of is is that that's always been the case, but this environment has just exacerbated that. So I just made it a... Remember how I shared at the beginning of this, like where you spend attention matters? Yeah. So once I realized like, oh, all the leverage is on the listing side, then I was like, okay, that's all I'm going to pay attention to. Okay. Right now, for some people, I know that they, you know, build teams and they look at the buy side, and I get that. I'm aware that, um, you know, particularly up to that hundred transaction level, I wasn't even thinking about buyers at all. Like, I literally, I didn't have an e key. Like, I couldn't even show a property if you wanted me to. Like, oh, you were so hyper focused on sellers. hundred percent dialed in on sellers. Yep. Okay. Interesting. Okay, and that I would, you know, imagine now. Here we are. What? what, 12, 13 years later, how far <laughs> that now, because you've been working that your listing agent that now, like you said, the listing agents hold the key. Now you're not out there fighting everybody for these like few listings that we have coming on. Right. Because I don't know about your market, but up here, we just like, it is a cr- like across the U S it's just a crazy low inventory. So, so we actually are fighting for listings um, in my market. Like, you know, we're being interviewed. There's three agents being interviewed by every, every yeah. perspective. Yeah. yeah. And I want people to realize like that happens for me too. It's not like, I'm just like, you know, <laughs> like the C parts when I show up and the people just drop to their knees and sign a <laughs> listing agreement. Like that's not what's true. But what is true is I have been listing personally, personally over a hundred properties a year for the last 10 years in a row. Yeah. So because of that, what's happening to your point, Kelly, is that you actually have to be like really skilled when you're in competitive situations. So when they say to you, well, you know what? We're going to interview other agents. What do you do? Do you just say, okie dokie, Smokey. Thanks. <laughs> See you later. Have a nice day. Let me know. And then you yeah, walk, walk yeah. away and send them a gift and then they list with somebody else. Yeah, yeah. Versus having that? actually having something to say like, hey, listen, I appreciate that. I know this is a big decision and you want to make sure you're making the best decision possible. You know, I usually find that at this point in the presentation, and again, I mean this really humbly, like 90% of the people, they just hire me and put me to work. If for some reason there's a little bit of hesitation, there's usually a few reasons why. So what I'd like to do at this moment, Kelly, is I'd like to just go over with you the three decisions that a seller needs to make prior to putting their home in the market in hopes that doing so can help you to make the decision that you feel is best. And whatever you decide, I'll support you 100%. Fair enough? Yeah, that's fair. Okay. Well, the first decision that needs to be made is if you're even going to sell it. You know, I know sometimes when sellers see kind of what the marketplace is, is bearing at the moment based on what buyers and sellers have been agreeing to. It's not in alignment with their expectations or it actually wouldn't produce an outcome in terms of net to them that would allow them to make the move happen. Just so I'm clear, I mean, I'm imagining based on our initial conversation and the reasons why you're moving, that's not a serious consideration or option for you. I mean, you, you've definitely decided you're selling. Is that right? Yeah. Okay, great. So let's check that off the list. Hey, real estate rock stars. This is Aaron Mujistegi, and I'm interrupting myself to bring you this commercial break from one of our sponsors. And I know, I know you guys would much rather listen to the content and not the ads and not the sponsors, but this is one that I'm actually super, super excited with. You know, so many of the realtors that we interview on the show, 
They talk about how much systems are important and how much follow-up is important. And I'm really, really excited about our new sponsor. There's somebody I've been looking at for a long time. And when they reached out to me, I said, yes, we have to be able to do this deal. So that sponsor is Follow-Up Bob. You know, on an interview last week with agent Mark McGuire, I asked him what his favorite software and what his favorite system was. And he said it was Follow-Up Boss. And then he went on for another three or four minutes to talk about why Follow-Up Boss was the best CRM he uses. So there's a lot of superstars out, out there that use Follow-Up Boss. Some of the stats they gave me, Robert Slack, 1.5 billion team in Florida, number one in the US. He uses Follow-Up Boss to get a 400% ROI on its massive paid lead spend. Deborah Beagle, co-owner of the Ashton Group in Nashville, uses Follow-Up Boss to guarantee the agents who join her team get two homes under contract in the first 90 days. That's a big guarantee for new agents. Barry Jenkins of the, your friends in real estate uses Follow-Up Boss to automate everything so his team can produce 200 million on 25 hour work weeks. All right, so here's an offer. You guys are gonna get this special for being Real Estate Rockstars listeners. Now I've, I've used Follow-Up Boss. We've actually used it in our non-real estate businesses as well because it's so good at being able to set timers, set automatic texting and emailing, and what do, what do you know, best name ever, follow-up. So here's what we got. For Real Estate Rockstars listeners, you get a 30-day free trial. That's normally 14 days. So in order to get this, you go followupboss.com forward slash rockstars. So again, followupboss.com, just like it sounds, forward slash rockstars. Go there, get your 30-day free trial, and check it out, especially if you aren't using any systems or any CRMs yet. This will be a great one for you to start with. All right, everybody, thanks again. Now back to our show. So the second decision that needs to be made is um, you know, the price that we ultimately decide to set on the property. Now, I'm imagining if you're like most homeowners, myself included, you'd like it to be more. And trust me, I'd love to be your superhero, put an S on my chest and cape on my back and you know, get you $100,000 more while we're at it. At the same time, having reviewed this information very closely together as a team, having seen what's on the market and not selling, your neighbor across the street, and they've been there for 58 days and haven't sold, then having seen what's sold and closed most recently, right in the community, just two streets over that sold for 550 a month ago. Are we in agreement that the marketplace is showing us somewhere around that 550 number seems to be reasonable? Mm. Yep, yeah. Yep. Okay, great. So we can check that off. So then the third decision that needs to be made is just who's going to help you. Now, I mean, you strike me to be super straightforward and to the point I'm the exact same way, Kelly. Here's my question to you. It's based on our initial conversation and in preparation for connecting, based on what we sent over to you, you know, that you looked at and reviewed, based on you know, our conversation today and our time spent and you know, our reviews online and things of that nature, do you feel comfortable and confident with me that I can help you sell this home and I'd look out for your best interest? Hmm. Yeah, I do. Okay, great. Well, you know what the great news is? What's that? I know I can. Let's just go ahead and take care of the appropriate paperwork, get the process started. Fair enough? Like having the ability to be yeah. able to do that versus, okie dokie, see you later and walk <laughs> Not just the ability, but the confidence, right? Like you, there, there has, there is a level of confidence that you have to have. I feel to have that conversation head on when somebody says that. Now, um, for our listeners, what when you when they say uh, after the third question and they say, "Yeah, I agree," but I still would feel more comfortable interviewing more people. How do you how do you address that? Yeah, and listen, I'm appreciative of that. I really am. You know what I'm aware of is is that. 
um, if we're still at that place, you know, it may be one other thing perhaps that you may be considering. And it could be like the professional fee, like the commission. Mm. So just so I know, is that, you know, something that you want to think about or maybe talk to other people with or, you know, where are we at with things? And then hush, breathe and listen. So if you notice what I'm doing is, is I'm fleshing it out. Yeah. What is it? It's either me, which sometimes I might not be the right compatibility, right? We might not vibe with each other. It's the price or it's the commission. Like, what is it? And it's having the intestinal fortitude to like open up the kimono and be like, hey, let's do this. Like, tell me what it is. I love yeses. I love noes. I hate maybes. So the intention is, is I'm going to give you all the information that you need. So that way you can make the decision that you feel is best. And we'll decide together as a team if we're going to do this or not. Fair enough. Now, to your point, if we circle back, when you said the word confidence, so here's what's interesting, Kelly, is when I'm in a group, let's say I'm in a room, there's a thousand people there and I'm giving a talk and I'm like, all right, what does confidence mean? What's the working definition of confidence? So if I was to ask you that, what's your working definition of confidence? And this isn't, this isn't like a leading question. I'm genuinely interested in your answer. Ooh, I don't know. I've never been asked that. What's my, like my definition of confidence? Yeah. Like in your mind, your working definition of confidence. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, knowing I, it's a good question. I don't know. Feel like, like knowing that I can answer the questions or uh, knowing that I know my stuff, right? Like, okay, cool. So, so having like knowledge of information. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. (laughs) And, and, and here's, what's interesting because like, if you get into like derivatives of words, you'll get into like what their actually meanings are. So the Latin derivative of the word confidence uh, is confianza. And what confianza for anybody who speaks Spanish, what that word actually means is to trust. So here becomes the interesting question. Who are you trusting? Myself. So I remember being in a room where I'm role-playing like this and there's a bunch, couple hundred people in the room and a woman in the back is like, man, you actually say that to people? Like, how can you be that confident? I said, well, what you're really asking me is how can I trust myself so much? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. Now here's what's interesting. How do you develop trust in yourself? So I'm sure there's something in your life, Kelly, that you have like trust over. Like if I was like, hey, can you do this? You're like, yep, absolutely. Whether it's a hobby, whether it's a, a sport, whether it's like something, you're like, yep. But here's the question. How did you cultivate that trust? Mm. You did it repeatedly. I was going to say repetition. Yep. (laughs) Repetition is the mother of learning and the father of action, which makes it the architect of accomplishment. You did it by repetition. So what's interesting is when we circle back to role play, and when I tell you I role played twice a day, six days a week, I would stand in a room and chant and be like, hi, my name is Aaron. I'm calling about the homeless for self and industry. Does this owner agree? Uh, You know, just out loud as fast as I could, right? I would videotape myself. I would record myself. So when you put in all of those reps, then you cultivate a tremendous amount of trust. Yes. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm loving this. I'm loving this because I think that, um, you know, even though we are salespeople, I think, I don't think there's agents out there that will argue with that, right? Like that we're in, we're in sales. We, we, I would say most of us can agree on that, but even being in sales, um, I feel, and I've experienced this myself, like it, it's a little scary to cold call, um, you know, to prospect cold and warm, even warm leads sometimes, you know, and to, to have, but to build that confidence, you have to do that by re- repetition, right? And that, and you just get more confident in, when you're speaking out loud and you're saying you were practicing twice a day, every day on top of your three hours of prospecting. hundred percent. So, so think about this. So according to, you said a few things that were interesting about like, perhaps if there's agents who uh, don't, they wouldn't agree that we're in sales, they're hallucinating. 
<laughs> right. Like it's not an accurate assessment of reality. That's like looking up yeah. and being like, the sky's not blue. It's like, well, yeah, it is. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, so, I mean, we know that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we like to push it away. Like, <laughs> I don't want to be like salesy. I'm like, uh, like that would be like the guy mowing your grass being like, nah, I don't really like, like I'm not a cutter grasser guy. He's like, what? What the hell are you talking about, man? Like, that's exactly what you are. Yeah, you just so, um, and then like, yeah, get over it. And then knowledge equals confidence and ignorance equals fear. So when you're saying to me like, yeah, like it's a little intimidating to get on calls. Why? Because you're afraid. And if you're afraid of something, that means you don't know something. Yeah. So then it's about seeking out and getting proximity to somebody who can teach you, who can yeah. share the information and, uh, on like what to do and how to do it. And what it makes me think about is that there's different kind of uh, uh, modes of learning. There's a hierarchy of learning. At the bottom of the hierarchy of learning is reading and writing. Now, that's interesting because that's the way we get formal education, mm -hmm. right? But it's the lowest form of learning. Hmm. As, yeah. we get, as we get higher up the, up the chain, the second highest form of learning is um, simulation. Hmm. It's where you pretend to do the real thing. So doctors simulate on what? Davers, yeah. right? Like pilots actually go into a device called a simulator. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Like military. My, my brother-in-law is retired, like uh, military. What do they do all day long? Simulations. They practice doing the real thing, practice jumping out of planes, practice like, you know, well, you know, different kind of um, scenarios. Right. Yeah. So what would be simulation for us? Role playing. Yeah. It yes. shouldn't be any different, right? We should be practicing. It shouldn't be any different, but that's, we just need the mental map to think that way. Now, the highest yeah. form of learning is actually doing the real thing, right? It's picking up the phone and calling people. Yep. So what's interesting is that if you want to increase that learning curve, what I should be doing every day is reading and writing, simulating, doing the real thing. Read, yes. write, simulate, do the real thing. Read, write, yes. simulate, do the real thing. And if you do that over and over and over and over again, what will happen is, is that you'll ramp up the learning curve and you'll become much more skilled. So according to NAR, if, a nor if an agent goes on 100 listings, they will only take 20 of them. Hmm. Now, the average commission, let's say it's like, I don't know, now at the marketplace, uh, it's, I don't know, let's, let's use round numbers, 10,000 bucks. So if they take 20 in a normal market, like 15 will sell, so they'll make 150 grand. Okay. Well, my closing ratio is 85%. Wow. So if I go on those 100 listings, I'll take 85 of them. Yeah. Now, if 75 of them sell, I make 750 grand. Yeah. Now, here's my question to you. What's the difference? Skill. Yeah. So remember how I share with you that, that the money's not in the service, the money is where? It's in the selling of the service. Yeah. So I should learn how to sell the service. Yeah. This makes a lot of sense. Um, I love it. So when you so how many, let's talk, let's back up a little bit. Tell me, um, so you sell over a hundred houses a year, right? Am I right? What do you yeah, we we do like 150 to 160 transactions. I've done 200 two years in a row. Okay. But then what I started to do, I knew what the next evolution was and I really didn't want to do it like to have a big team and all that stuff. Yeah. So then I started to monetize the skill by doing coaching and consulting. Okay. But you do have a team. You have agents on your team. Well, I have, um, I have two agents that are on the team, like a listing okay. agent and a, which I'm training. He's like four months in, he's taken five listings. So he's okay. off to the races and we have a buyer's agent, but the majority of my staff is administrative to process 
all the deals we're doing. So I have a listing coordinator. I have an ops manager. I have a transaction coordinator. I have a client care coordinator. Okay. So these are all people that allow us to deliver on the promises that we're making. Yes. Okay. Yeah. It's interesting. You know, everybody has gone about that I chat with has gone about building their teams differently. That's super interesting. So you've, you've got the infrastructure in place. You really built your infrastructure, your, your support team before you brought on a bunch of agents. Yeah. And I did it in the right kind of order, in my opinion. (laughs) I say right because like, I don't know, like it it just makes sense to me because I think it's so fascinating to me when I speak to agents that are doing like 20 deals and like, I'm trying to build a team. I'm like, why? You're not even that productive. Like, what are you doing? Like, you should even be thinking about that until you personally are listing four or five, six homes a month. Like, I don't, that doesn't make sense to me, right? There's this natural progression. Like you should build a team because you're too busy because there's so many leads, like there's so much stuff and it's overwhelming. It shouldn't be where I'm trying to build it, using it as a kind of like a growth engine, like thinking that I'm going to grow through that because that's a whole thing. There's a whole cost of sale. There's a whole, and really with the people that I know that do teams and do it at a high level, their profit margins are 25%, 20, 25%, maybe 30%. So that's a whole separate thing where you become a manager. You're not, you're not the one that's like responsible for the results. You're responsible for the people that are responsible for the results. And that's a different yeah. thing. Yep. Different yeah, job. yep. A manager, like you said, yeah, it's different. It's, it is. Mm-hmm. It's different. Yeah. So, okay. So when did you start? So, well, you're, you're, you've built a little bit differently. When did you start bringing on admin and bringing on support? And Yeah. So I did it immediately, like right away. So I had the good fortune. My secret weapon is my wife. Um, she is the equivalent of me in admin that I, that I am in sales. So she's like the LeBron James of admin. So it was just me and her. She had a job at the Princeton review, making like a whopping 18,000 bucks right out of college, (laughs) even though she graduated like magna cum laude at the university of Florida, which is most people's experience, by the way. Um, so, and I said to her like, Hey, I'm doing these, like, you should come and we should do this together. And she did. So she was the listing coordinator, transaction coordinator. She would wearing heels, putting lock boxes on pictures, yeah. pictures with little cameras back in the day when we would do that. Yeah, those and it was questions. just, it was me and her all the way up to a hundred deals. Okay. Just when me and get, her. When so get a hundred deals. Uh, uh, five years in. It took me five years to get to a hundred. Five years in. Okay. And then, um, so what I'm aware of is right out of the gate, I was already delegating. So I think what I see yes. very frequently, uh, with the people that I coach and train is that right at that like 20-ish, 30-ish deals, They um, because remember how we circle back and 65% of people live paycheck to paycheck? So because of that, they have this mental barrier with hiring people. Mm, Yeah. And if you've grown up in that environment, you heard things like money doesn't grow on. Trees, yep. And eat all the food on your... Plate, yep. Yeah. So so what happens is, is you end up with the scarcity thinking So it creates this friction where you're like, I could just do it myself and save money. But what I'm aware of is, is because I didn't have to pay Carla, right? She was like, I had this secret weapon of admin, listing coordination, transaction coordination that supercharged my growth. So I went from 17 deals to 50 and then from 50 to 79, 79, 80, like three and then 83 to hundred. So it's like, I was able to do that because I wasn't getting bogged down in the admin. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Having that clarity from the get-go. I don't think it, like, I don't, maybe it's just the people that I was surrounding myself with, but I feel like it wasn't, when I first got started, that was not talked about enough. Um, It's not talked about enough that, like, to have the vision for down the road, to 
to to build your infrastructure early, but we're not talking bring on other agents. We're talking build your infrastructure, your support team. Yep. Early. So if yeah, if we're gonna build like uh, if we're gonna build something, if we don't want to be the one who's doing so. What agents do is they spend 80 to 90% of their time in income servicing activities and only 10 to 20% of their time in income producing activities. Mm. Income producing activities are prospect, lead, follow up, go on appointments, negotiate, P L A N. Are you following your plan? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what's interesting is I know invariably if I'm giving a talk to a whole group of people and I'm like, all right, well, what's your level of production? They're like, I'm doing. 15 deals. I'm like, great. Well, you spend 15% of your time on income producing and, and the rest of your time, 85% of your time on income servicing. Yeah. I'm like, you're, you're, you're taking all the pick. You're, you're like being present with the photographer for some reason. I don't know why <laughs> you're not a professional photographer. Like you're meeting appraisers out there. You're putting lock boxes out. You're putting signs out your numbers in a multiplistic service. So everybody's blowing you up. Like you're doing everything yourself. Correct. Yeah. And you're also mothering your deals, like hovering over them. <laughs> Like, oh my God, I'm the only one who can do any of this. And they're always like, do you have cameras? Like, are you watching me? Like, how do you know this? Because it's very predictable and duplicatable. Whereas as you get to higher levels of production, I spend 90% of my time on income. Now it's, I only do PLAN. I coach people and that's it. I don't do anything else. Nice. And, and having that foundation, like if I'm going to build, I need listing coordination and transaction coordination. With that foundation, you can go up to 200 deals or more. Yep. And this is how you differentiate yourself, right? So when you're in there selling your service, you're, you're showing how you differentiate that you're not, you're not the marketing coordinator. You're not the transaction coordinator. You're not the person that does everything for the entire transaction. You bring in, you have professionals that do their side of it. That's yeah. Yeah. And I think it creates a value proposition if you do decide to have people on your team. So like the listing agent that I brought on my brother-in-law, um, like he right out of the gate, he's role-playing because I have a role-play group that yep. has people all across the country that are in it. It guarantees a role-play partner five days a week. All you have to do is show up. We handle okay. the scheduling, right? Uh, we role-play partners change, you know, weekly because people would say to me like, well, I can't, I can't find good role-play partners. They're all flaky. I'm like, fine, I'll, I'll do it for you. So he's, he's in that right out of the gate. He's in a group yeah. call with me once a week, right out of the gate. He's personally role-playing with me three days a week. And we have a CRM for him where all he has to do is call these leads. He goes on the appointment, gets a contract signed, he hands it back to us and he doesn't do anything else. Mm, yes. So like right out of the gate, think about that. Like all of those bad habits that could be created, yes. all of that other stuff. He's like, nope. So he has somebody in his life being like, listen, that other stuff is not your job. Yeah. That's, a, that's ad administrative. That's $10, $15 an hour, maybe $20 an hour work. This work we're doing here is $500 to $1,000 an hour work. Yeah. So if... If I was to approach you and say, hey, like, um, here's this like stock that you can buy. It's normally 500 bucks an hour, but you could, or $500 a share, but you could buy it at 20 bucks a share. Would you do that? Yeah, if it's a good company, right? <laughs> but that's the same thing that's happening with our time. So I know what my time is worth, whether it's coaching or training or consulting or in real estate. So if anything is less than that, if I can buy my time for less than that, I do immediately. I don't even yeah. think about it. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard that a lot too. Yeah. There's a certain number. This is what I'm worth an hourly rate. If it's less than that, then I, then I've hired it out. Yeah. I was on a call with agent, a coaching call and I, she was, she showed up and she's on zoom and she's in the car for our call, which I think is interesting because I'm way busier than her, but I'm like at my house and she's like in her car. So I said, okay, um, I'm curious where are you going? And it was like meet a photographer or some shit. I'm like, okay. 
And I'm curious, what do you what what are you worth per hour? You know what she said to me? I don't know. I said, because you don't know, you're willing to do anything. Yeah. Yeah. And she was like, oh. Yeah, that is powerful, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, tell me, so what was, so you did 100, 141 transactions last year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Most of them were, they were all, most of them, how many were listings? Like 85% of that. Okay. Awesome. And what was that in volume? Yeah, it was like, uh, I think 850,000 in GCI. Okay. Awesome. And it was like 29, 28 million, something like that. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, that's, that's just you and one and a half other agents on your Yeah. Team. Yeah. And uh, also coaching all these people, but I don't know who's counting. <laughs> we have the system set up. You've got the systems in place. You've got the support. You've got the structure. I mean, this is. Yeah. And the thing is, is that like, I think everybody has a superpower, Kelly. And like, I think the, the people who produce the outcomes that are the most outsized or favorable to them, like whatever it is that they want, mm-hmm. I find that they're the most self-aware. Mm. What I mean by that is like, they don't think that they're great at everything. Like I know I'm not. Yeah. I, I'm very clear on what my particular gift is and what I'm very good at. And what I do intentionally and purposefully is surround myself with people who keep me in my gift. They keep me doing the thing that I'm really good at. Yeah. So like, like right now you're seeing me and you're like, wow, man, like, okay. But in other areas, like if you were to follow me around the house, if you needed something fixed, like I can't help you. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like be yeah. like, man, like you're really incompetent in that area. Okay. Well, I just know what I'm really good I at. I have a, I, I tell people all the time. I'm like, listen, I have a particular set of skills. <laughs> That's great though. Like you said, you know it, you're aware of it and you know not to do, I mean, like, why would you be, um, why, why would you be a photographer? Take all the pictures. If you're not like, you know, I, or like I'm, I'm the same way. Yeah. And I'm aware, like, so we have a client care coordinator on our team who's like an absolute rock star and she's the one. So if it's like a track convert deliver, there's an attraction mechanism for attracting clients. There's a conversion mechanism with has to do with skills and what you're saying and how you're saying it mm-hmm. and what's being sent out before you see them and that sort of thing. But then there's delivery, which is like where you deliver. I used to imagine immaturely like delivery was just like, okay, well, I step in. I give you great service. I sell it right away and like tap you on the head on the way out. Like, thanks, Kelly. Have a nice day. Yeah. But what I'm aware of is now, particularly as people have more and more options at their disposal, that like love is like a business strategy that's almost impossible to beat. So like where you, you start to love on them. So now through, we use follow-up boss and we uh, have an integration with AM cards. So okay. like now we're sending clients when it's listed, they get a, a card with a little you know thing from us, like a little gift card to get the relationship started off right. Once it gets out of attorney review or you get out of loan commitment, they get something. Nice. And then we're learning about clients. So we had a client recently, we found out he's really into hot sauces, like loves hot sauce. Yeah. So at the culmination, uh, when it was uh, you know time to do so, we sent him a personalized note with like 50 hot sauces right? Uh, that's directly, so I'm curating experiences yes. for people. We're delivering yes. at a really, really high level because now, because the internet is getting in the way of us and our clients, that relationship piece and that being able to deliver at high levels is becoming increasingly more important. Mm-hmm. I feel like in the past, mm-hmm. you'd be able to get away with not doing it. I don't think you're going to be able to get away with that anymore. So you have a client care coordinator who this is her, this is her purpose. She loves on your clients. She gets to know them. She sends them. She, she knows when, okay, that we're at this point in the transaction, send a card, send this, find out what they like, get them. Talks, talks to them for 30 or 40 minutes. Because like, what's true for me is like, 
I don't know. Like, is that my thing? Like I have the patience to do that, but like, I'm, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not really that interested. Like, you know, <laughs> I don't know, like whatever, you know? So, but she loves it. So the reason, yeah. the way I knew that we made a good, like a fantastic hire is that she came to me like at the beginning when we started this and she's like, Oh my God, I'm so excited. I'm like, why? She's like, today this file's closing. I'm like, so why are you excited about that? She's like, I get to send them something. <laughs> and that would never, my brain would never think that way. It's just like, okay. Like I wouldn't even process that. Right. So I um, love this idea. I'm, I'm also like, I want to take care of my clients, but I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to get them their closing gift. Like, ah, you're too busy, man. You got all these other things happening. So like, I'm aware that like now, and here's how it's really working well, because it, we have a very good, we have the good fortune of having like a bunch of reviews online over 500 from people that we've helped over time. Yeah. And what's interesting is in the reviews, certain things show up. So they would say, Aaron's really professional. He knows the marketplace really well. He helped us sell yeah. us quickly. Like those were yeah. common. You yeah. know what's starting to show up now? They have great customer service. Yeah. And I'm like, that would have never shown up before yeah. because like, I'm just not- It's because of her. Yeah. It's because of her, like a million percent. So if you want to do something that's like, like big, you need three rock stars. One is you need a rock star in acquisition. Mm. Mm-hmm. The acquisition of clients, right? The yeah. attraction of clients. Two is you need a rock star in operations. Yeah. Like the running of the business, you know, they yeah. make sure everything's going cool and, you know, pay your taxes, keep you out of trouble, like all that. <laughs> the third is you need a rock star in delivery. Yeah. Should deliver on a promise. So it's like what we've set up is I'm the rock star in acquisition. Carla, my wife, is the rock star in operations, and Gabriella is the rock star in delivery. I love it. I love it. I think that's super valuable. Yeah, that's awesome. This has been great. Lots of valuable stuff, lots of nuggets. I really, probably my favorite thing so far is this client care coordinator. How do, what is it? Care coordinator? Is that what you yeah, call it? Yeah, client care coordinator. I mean, it's a made up name, but it, like it describes exactly yeah, what they're I doing. I love it. Yeah, who cares? I mean, I'm, I love it. I think that's, I think that's awesome. Um, so we're, we're getting towards the end of our time together. Yeah. I think we, we hit on a lot of good stuff. You, you said that you do coaching. You want to talk, a, you want to take a couple minutes, talk about that real quick? Yeah. So, um, that really happened like organically. It wasn't something that was intentional on my part. So somebody recorded me role-playing. It didn't tell me about it. And then it like got disseminated amongst a whole bunch of people. And I would have people come up to me at like learning events and be like, Hey man, I listened to you in the car. I'm like, what are you talking about? And then I realized like, Oh, this is what happened. And at first I was a little like, well, that's not cool. You didn't like tell me, but then I was like, Oh, this is really cool because now people know who I am. So, um, and then people just started to organically reach out to me. Right. Okay. Uh, at first for like mindset stuff. And then it morphed into like, like, can you help me in my real estate business? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so yeah, we do that. And the, the thing that I would, I, I do work with people individually. We have a group call, we have a role play group. The thing that I'd really like to talk about today is just the role play group, because what I'm aware of is that that has been for me, one of the, if not the most important decision that I made in my career, that the money's not in the service, it's in the selling of the service. And I got super serious about skills. Like I went deep on that rabbit hole so much so that now people reach out to me to help them with that. Right. Right. So um, that's the thing that I'd like to focus on. The website is findaroleplaypartner.com, findaroleplaypartner.com. And we have roleplay groups on the East Coast and the West Coast. Uh, It's 7.30 a.m. Eastern. Uh, on the dot. So people reach out to me like, well, can we make it 8.30 for me? Can you make it? Like, no, it's 7.30 on the dot. right? Um, And uh, you get a role play partner five days a week. We handle all the scheduling. All you have to do is show up. Now, 
it is, it's not for the kind of uh, folks that aren't consistent. If you're not consistent for two times, maybe three tops, we ask you to leave the group mm-hmm. okay. because the strength of the group is the consistency and people right. showing up. Okay. And then we also have um, a role play group just for the listing presentation. Because okay. again, to your point, as you were saying, dude, these conversations are like 10, 15, 20, $30,000. Like, how are you not preparing for that? Right. So at 1130 on the East Coast and the West Coast, we have... Um, people that are role-playing, just the listing presentation. Okay, That's all they're doing to really hone that in and dial that in. So yeah, find a roleplaypartner.com is the place to find that. And if I can help you or be of assistance or serve you in any way, you could check me out on Instagram at Aaron Novello. And uh, I always answer to the DMs. It's not a bot, it's me. And you know, I look forward to the opportunity to be of assistance. Awesome. Well, Aaron, thanks for coming out today, sharing all your knowledge with us. And um, you just told everybody how they can get in touch with you. So that's awesome. My pleasure. I appreciate the opportunity and uh, look forward to connecting soon. Thanks, Aaron. All right, real estate rock stars. This is Aaron Muchastegui jumping in again to thank you for listening to the show. Hopefully you guys loved listening to that one. And I want to make sure that you know about all of the extra resources that we have. And also we need your help. They say podcasts are free. You get to listen to podcasts for free. But what is the cost of that podcast? I would say if I could beg you to pay anything for that podcast, I would say the cost of the podcast is going and giving a review. So whether you download it on Google or Apple or YouTube or anywhere else, please go give us a review. Say what you liked, what you didn't like. It helps us get better guests. The more reviews, the higher we get in the rankings. Right now, we are the biggest podcast out there for real estate agents, and we want to keep that spot because we know there's lots of podcasts out there. So go give us a review. Also, be sure to go to hybendigital.com. If you liked any of the resources that those real estate agents talked about, we've got a huge video vault of those resources for free. Every penny that comes on the podcast that we interview, they give us something that helps them get their deals or helps them work with their clients. And we put that in the toolbox in our vault for you. So go to hybendigital.com and you can get it. If you're looking for real estate education, go to rebusuniversity.com. We have all sorts of courses in there to help agents succeed in real estate. How to get the listing, how to negotiate deals, you know, how to become an investor, all sorts of different stuff, rebusuniversity.com. And if you want to chat with me, go find me on Instagram. If you come find me on Instagram, you can send me messages. Tell me what you want to hear. Tell me what you liked, what you didn't like. We try to put a bunch of content out there too. You can find me in two different places. It's at rerockstars.com for our Real Estate Rockstars page or at erinamuchastegui.com for my personal Instagram page where I can chat with you about all sorts of different things. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again soon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.